Good morning. Today's message is entitled, Serving the Purpose of God. What route? And that's part of the, the message title, What Route? Now, when we talk about route, we're talking about a course. And uh, I have a, a young lady in the congregation as a cross-country person. Hannah, would you come up for a minute? Okay, this is Hannah uh, Castro. And Hannah, you run cross-country, and uh, you have a course that they say you have to run. And that's the definition, one of the definitions of a route. When I say what route, is what course, what way are you supposed to go? How do you know what to run? Because I don't think y'all run four laps around a track. The coach does a walkthrough with you, and then they put up flags to help you during the race. Okay, so he walks you through the course, your coach mm -hmm. does. Then he puts up flags so that when you come back again, you'll see those flags and it'll help re mm -hmm. remind you of what way to run. What would happen if you said, well, you know what? This thing is a long ways over that way. I have to, this is a shorter cut. I think I'm going to take this shortcut. You what get happened? disqualified. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Thank, thank, thank you, Hannah. Okay, thank you. Okay. Now, what route are we going to take? Serving the purpose of God, what route? Another way that we can talk about what route, most people now, days I don't, but most people have these, they call them, I think they have these initials, GPS, okay, GPS. And you're supposed to be able to punch in where you are, where you want to go, and it'll give you the route, it'll, it'll take you there. Is that correct? Okay. And even if you get off course, you can punch in right where you are, and it'll take you the rest of the way. Is that correct? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, the, the title message today is dealing with, I want you to remember what route are we going to take in serving the purposes of God? What route are we going to take? Now, you say, well, if I'm going to serve the purpose of God, the route is already, like Hannah said, it's already going, uh, uh, been laid out for me, and all I have to do is follow the Holy Spirit. Well, that's true. That's what we should be able to do. That's what we aim to do. But sometimes it doesn't work that way, does it? Sometimes we get off course for one reason or another, don't we? Sometimes uh, we wanted to go on an excursion. You know, those of you who are taking cruises, uh, they have these excursions that you can take when they dock certain places. Uh, but those excursions usually are more money than what you paid. Is that correct? There's a price for those excursions. Well, in serving the purpose of God, open your Bibles to, um, let's go to Acts chapter 13, and we're going to look at a scripture here that's going to tell us, give us a jumping off point. Now, you know we're talking about Joseph. We're talking about the testings of Joseph. We went over three testings uh, last week. 
and we're going to add, we have three more to add this week. I might not get to all of those. I probably won't get to but one, but that's okay. Uh, we want to do what God tells us to do. And I might not follow my outline, obviously, so make sure that you keep up with me. Now, this is a, this, what we want is in verse 36 of Acts chapter 13. But I want to lay the foundation from where, where we're taking this from. We have Paul and uh, his companions. They arrived at Poseidon, Antioch. On a Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. And he was telling them uh, about Jesus Christ and salvation. And he was telling them that God raised him up from the dead. And that for many days he appeared to his disciples, who, of course, Paul was one of them. Uh, was Paul wasn't one of them, but, but uh, uh, the, the ones who were... Who were uh, the apostles then, his disciples, were those, and Peter was one, John. And it says here, and we preach you the good news of the promise made to the fathers. And God has fulfilled his promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second psalm. So we're in verse 33 now. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Verse 34, as the, for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. Now he's quoting now from Isaiah. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Now he's going to quote again in Psalm. Verse 35, therefore, he also said in another Psalm, you will not allow your holy one to undergo decay. Then verse 36, the one we want to use today. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised up did not undergo decay. And so he was speaking of Jesus. It says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Now, what he was saying here is that Jesus is the one that you've been looking for, but you missed him. I want to proclaim him today that you can receive him. He was saying now, even though you know what the psalm said, you know it couldn't have been talking about David. Couldn't have been talking about David because David fell asleep. David, David's body decayed. Now I'm going to take this part of verse 36 out of that context and apply it to where we are going today, which is the testings of Joseph. And I wanted to give you all that background information because Sometimes we can take scripture out of context and use it in a way it was not meant to be used. And I don't want you to know that today. That I want you to know that we're not doing that today. We know what 
context is in. But if we say that David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. I'm not interested in the falling asleep at this particular time. I'm interested in that he served the purpose of God. Did he serve the purpose of God? Is that scriptural? Yeah, he served the purpose of God in his generation. Now, if David served the, served the purpose of God, David made mistakes, though. He, he, he had a route for him, that purpose there, Baloo, Baloo, is that, 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 that that purpose is the purpose of God, but it's not actually the demanding, commanding, the resolve to fulfill the purpose. That's another word for purpose. Okay? The Leo. And so I say that knowing that, I say, you mean David has a purpose, we have a purpose. Part of his purpose was that He's going to, Jesus Christ is going to come from that line. So that was going to be the Thaleel purpose. But he had a, a Baloo purpose too, Greek word, meaning that this purpose is a general purpose that he can go on some excursions if he wants to. He can, if he wants to, try to take some shortcuts and try to go on a course that's not laid out for him. We can too. We can too. For serving the purpose of God, what route? What route are we going to take? Would you agree with me that, that David, the, the excursion that he went on with Bathsheba was not of God? What do you think? Not of God. When he had Uriah, her husband, killed, not of God. Would you agree? That was not part of the purpose of God, but it was a part of the general purpose of God in that he was in a position he could take what he wants to. He's king. But he had rules and regulations. He's supposed to be a just king. So you're not supposed to do that, David. And, of course, we know the scripture that uh, Nathan came and told him about it, the prophet Nathan. So we know that. So what's going to keep us from venturing out, from taking shortcuts across this cross-country course that we're supposed to be running, what's going to keep us from taking those shortcuts? What's going to keep us from going on these excursions and having to pay dearly for it? Because I think you know that David paid dearly for his excursion. He paid dearly for it. And you remember that we said that Joseph didn't take that excursion that the enemy put towards him because that was one of the tests we went through last week, wasn't it? How high is your integrity, your moral integrity? When Potiphar's wife wanted to lie with him, he said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going on that excursion. Oh, no, 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 not going to do that. And so he ran. Praise God. And I gave you some scriptures to go over. Is that correct? That you could read a little bit more about it. One of those scriptures I want to hit right now is Proverbs I gave you Proverbs 2, um, I gave you Proverbs 5.15, and I gave you Proverbs 6, and we're going to go to 6.27 just to let us know the, the expense that can be um, incurred on an excursion that God has not told us to go on. 
even though we have the ability to do it, we're not going to do it. So let's look at Proverbs 6, and let's look in verse 27. It says, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not get burned? And the answer is no. Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? The answer is no. So is one who goes in to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. 32. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. Wounds and disgrace he will find, and his reproach will not be blotted out. That's an excursion that David went on, wasn't it? And we still, everybody who reads the Bible, everyone still remembers, even though this happened years and years and years ago, still know what David did. Don't, don't we? Right, a very costly one. Is the word true then? Is that the sin is not going to be, I mean, people are going to remember that. It's not going to go unpunished. He paid a dear price for his children, didn't he? Oh, my goodness. Now, you say, well, ha-ha, I'm not married yet. Oh, teenagers and young, young adults that's not married. Let me tell you, fornication and adultery is still similar. One, in adultery, you're married. Fornication, really, adultery falls under fornication. Under the umbrella of fornication is adultery. Do not go there because God has forbidden that outside of marriage. Do you understand that? I don't care whether you're, whether you're a teenager. I don't care whether you're 60. It doesn't matter. If you're single, you don't go there. If you're married, you don't go there. You need to be satisfied with, the, with your wife if you're married. And if you're not married, and you need to get married if you can't stand the heat. You understand? <laughs> I mean, that's a nice simple uh, kind of <laughs> interpretation of another version of what the scriptures will say. Right? Do you realize, though, people take that excursion? Young people take that excursion. They think somehow that they're going to be not touched by this. I'm telling you, you will. You will. Okay. So we need to help each other to stay pure, don't we? That's what we need to do. Now, let's go to our text in Genesis chapter 39 and review our tests. We said that the first test is going to be a test of your attitude. You remember? Oh, you got a test of your attitude. God is going to test our attitude all the time. He's going to test it usually when, when something is not going our way. He's going to test our attitude. And we're saying we go, we're applying these lessons to our own individual lives and in our own family and our own workplace with our own relatives in church. Wherever we go, we are practicing these messages in that what Joseph went through, God is going to 
take us through all the enemy wants to take us through these things. And he wants us to fail. God wants us to go higher. And if you remember that, any time God tests you, any time he tests you is to take you further into his purposes to prepare you for what good things he has for you. Anytime Satan tests you, he wants you to fail. He wants you to fall. He wants to dishonor God. He doesn't want you to glorify God. Okay. So we're going to be tested. Our attitudes. Have you been tested of your attitude? Yeah. When things don't go your way? Sure. You'll be tested of your attitude. We want to pass our tests because we don't want the same test over and over again. We have a, such a graceful teacher. We have such a merciful teacher. Uh, in, in school sometimes you, you'll get the same test over, over again, but after a while you're going to fail that class. We, don't, we won't fail in, in God, but uh, I'm going to tell you, you'll keep taking the test till you pass it. I don't want to keep going around in wilderness. Do you? We don't want to do that. The second test we said was going to be a test of our work habits under hard situations. And then we said the third test was testing our more integrity. That's going to be tested. Now, let's go to our fourth test. The fourth test is found, uh, let's start in verse 19 of 39, Genesis 39. Now, it came about when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, that his anger burned. Now, we said that Potiphar was an executioner. He was the king's bodyguard. He was the head of the, the, you know, the bodyguards of the king. You know, if, you, if his anger gets there, you don't know what might happen to you. He was angry. Verse 20, so Joseph's master took him and put him in the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. Now it's a test of Joseph's humility. When he's gone from a high position, now obviously you know it's also a test of humility when he was testing his attitude also because he was a slave. He was sold to Potiphar as a slave. And I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to let you know already that this test you're going to get, I'm going to get over and over and over again. This is the greatest and most reoccurring test that you're going to get, the test of humility. Really, that's the one you're going to get over and over again because God is a humble king. And he wants to be like him. That's why we're going to get it over and over again. And so here we have this man, Joseph, this young, young fellow. Uh, he, he might be 18, 19, 20 by now. I don't know how old he is right now. We, we know that about 13 years transpired from the time he was sold and the time he came out of prison. How old he was, I don't really know, but he's still young. Would you agree? He's still young because he was young when he came out. He's still young. So we have this person who's gone from a position where nothing Potiphar did, nothing he took notice of, cared about, except the food he ate. Okay? To now, he's in jail. And you can imagine how he felt. 
Because he would be telling everybody else what to do, how to do it, when to do it. Because he had charge of everything part of it all. And now he's in jail. You can imagine if people say, aha, look at you, you know, telling us what to do now. Look at where you are. You thought you were high and mighty. You know, now look what you're doing now. You're in jail. Humility. How low is your estimation of yourself? That's humility. That's going to be able to tell me whether I'm going to be able to go through it or whether I'm not. Whether I'm going to go through it with flying colors or whether I'm going to have to get this test more than I care to. Okay. How low is my estimation of myself? Humility is low-mindedness. That's a definition. Low-mindedness. I think low of myself. Okay. Now, if you're probably into all the positive thinking and all the other things that um, around, that would not be too good, you know, to be said. Because you try to think highly of yourself. Well, I say that you need to think low of yourself. Because my comparison is not to anybody else. If my comparison is to you, then I can start thinking more elevated of myself. If my comparison is to somebody else or yours is to me, you can start thinking highly of yourself. If I, if I compare myself to my Lord and Savior, my creator, I have a pretty good estimation of me. Right? How low am I? compared to Jesus Christ. You know, we'll say he took us out of the muck and the mire. Right? Some of the stuff that he took us out of, my goodness, come on. If I think rightly, rightly about myself compared to Jesus, and I know what he's trying to do, then when I go through these, I call it humiliating situations, (laughs) then I can take it a little bit more easily because I know that my Lord and Savior has everything under control. Serving the purpose of God, what route? I believe that David took took the straight and narrow route to the route that has been, his coach took him around, and put flags on and say, this is the course you run. Because I read, as we read together here, that, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in sight of the chief jailer. That tells me his attitude was good. That tells me he didn't have such a high opinion of himself that he couldn't, uh, be in jail with the rest of the prisoners, it tells me he still was thankful. That's what it tells me. Because I know that God is not going to give him favor if he has a bad attitude, if he's kicking people around, 
He doesn't want to talk to people. See, we know because of the prophetic word, we know because we already read it, that he has some dreams that God already spoken that he's going to be a leader that God, <laughs> that God is going to use him, that his brothers are going to bow down to him, his mother and father they, and brothers, they're going to bow down to him. He already knew that. And so in this situation here, God humiliated him because he says that I have a work for you to do that you can't afford to be high-minded. So I said, wow, when I'm humiliated, I want to have a good attitude. When I'm humiliated, I want to put my trust still in the Lord because he is going to take care of me. Now, let's hit this, this, this word, serving the purpose. We know that the route we got to take, we know that the purpose of God is a purpose which you can deviate, take excursion. You can take shortcuts, but it's going to be very costly. So that we don't want to do that when we're looking at David, I mean, uh, Joseph. So we say, well, what does this word serving mean? Serving the purpose of God. Joseph served the purpose of God in his generation. So God has a purpose for his life. So Joseph said, I'm going to participate with this purpose. I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to serve myself. I'm going to serve God. If he would have been serving himself, he wouldn't be where he is now, probably. Because Potiphar's wife wouldn't have told on him. Because she would have been pleased if he would have paid some attention to her. You see? But see, that would have been costly down the road. You see? Serving the purpose of God. Can we serve the purpose of God in your lifetime? Each one of us have a, have a life that God has already measured out your span. Is that true? And I don't know it. You don't know it. I don't know mine. You don't know yours. But we know that uh, we can claim we're going to live 120 years. I claim that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But we know that we might not do that, right? Right. And probably won't, right? Okay. But we don't, we, you know, it's all right to claim it. Do it what you want to do. But it's already for us. But I also know God can extend my life. He can extend it too. He can extend yours also. We know that also. So it's up to God. But I want to serve God during my lifetime. I want to serve his pur- purpose. That's what I want to serve. And that's what I'm trying to encourage us to do. Serve the purpose of God during the lifetime. I'm going to go to a word here. Um, serving. Let's go to Matthew. That's a good book uh, <laughs> to go to. And in Matthew... 22 is a, is a real good opportunity to see what about servanthood because most people think it's a, it's a nasty word. They, they don't like those S words, uh, you know, submission, uh, slave, you know, all the servitude stuff like that. They don't like that. So servant, servant is a good word. Do you know that Paul in Romans say, Paul, a servant, Jesus Christ? 
Peter, Second Peter, is a Simon. Okay, Simon Peter. He said, a servant, a servant. Also, James. He said, James said, you look at James one one. It said, James, a servant. It is said in um, Jude, Jude, a servant. Servants, servants. What is this thing about service? If you have in any church, in any workplace, they have a, a class that say, this is a class to teach you to be servants. How many people do you think will show up? About the same number that show up when you say, this is a prayer time. <laughs> We're going to fast and pray. About the same number show up for the servant class too. Okay. Now if you say, well, how many of you want to fulfill the purpose of God in your life and want to be a leader? Man, people will jump to that. They fill those classes up. You see. Not understanding that God is interested in servants. And God uses servants to lead other servants. See, that's what happened to Joseph, isn't it? Joseph was a servant. And, and, and that word, let's, let's, let's re- get right down and mean and, 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 you know, about this word servant. This servant in the King James, a servant in the New American Standard, mind read, a bond servant. And that's, you know, bond servant sounds better, doesn't it? Because it's, it's, I'm a servant because I'm volunteering to do this thing. You know, if I'm, a, if I'm a real servant, which is doulos, which is a slave, which is, I think it's 1401 in the, in the, in the Strong's Court, do you realize that a slave is bought? They're not their own. Joseph was purchased. He was a slave in the natural. But how many of us know that we are slaves if we're born again? Are we not? We were purchased. We were, we were bought with the precious price of, Je- of the blood of Jesus. Is that correct? God paid a price for us. So we are slaves. We are douloses. Oh, I like that. So I never have servant classes. Never have, have never, never will. Because nobody's going to come. But I have leadership classes because they'll come. But see, I don't tell them the secret. I've never told anybody the secret, but I'm going to tell you all the secret. I'm going to tell you all the secret. It's actually a servant's class. Really? It's actually a servant's class. Because I know what the scripture says. And nobody... Leaves without being a servant. Listen to what he says. And he was talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees now, they, were, they, they, they always do something because they love something. Let's look at verse 6 of verse, chapter 23 of um, chapter, chapter um, well, chapter 22, where I told you I was going to start at. Um, I'd rather go over to chapter 23, so given they have chapter 23, and let's start in verse 6. They love the place of the honor and banquets and chief seats in the synagogue. They and in respect for greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, 
and you all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. Now we understand what he's talking about. Verse 10, do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. See, that's a key thing that most people don't know, that if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humble. And if you humble yourself, you're going to be exalted. That's, that, that is a, it's like a law. It's like sowing and reaping. It's going to happen. And so we know that he doesn't actually mean that you can't call uh, your earthly father, father. You know he doesn't mean that. He's trying to explain to us what was happening in that day time, what the Pharisees was, was, was doing and what they liked to be called and those types of things. So he was trying to let us know that that's not what it's about. It's actually about uh, servanthood. Let's turn over to Matthew. Uh, let's go to chapter 20, verse 24. And it says, And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers because the two wanted to be, wanted to sit at his right hand and left hand, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they wanted to uh, be lifted up rather than, uh, uh, rather than humble themselves. And he says that uh, Jesus called them to himself, and said, this verse 25, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and that their great men exercise authority over them. Verse 26, it is not that way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. That's the word again, that doulos. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Most people don't want those kind of messages. But if we want to be like our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, we want to be a servant, don't we? Don't we? We want to be, what kind of servant you want to be? You want to be a servant of Jesus Christ, you want to be, the greatest service you can be. Is that correct? Everything you do, you want to do unto the Lord. Is that right? Right. So we should be going around seeing how much we can serve. And it's only one probably in the congregation I know of pretty much that really, really, I mean, they like to serve. I mean, they like to, they like to you know, you can give them, sweep the floor. They, they love to do that. That's Zeta McCann. I mean, she, you don't tell her to do that. I'm serious. She's not here so I can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, she'll come here on Sunday morning, and she'll go in the bathroom and check the bathroom. And I said, I said you know, somebody cleaned up the bathroom last night. Oh, no, I just want to check, make sure everything is all right for the people when they come. Okay, all right, okay. She'll, go, she'll, she'll clean the windows up. She'll clean the, the doors. Uh, she'll get a sister, hey, go sweep outside, you know. Uh, <laughs> You're correct, Nancy. Now, that's Nancy McCann. That's Nancy McCann. That's Jesus' sister. Okay? That's Jesus' sister. Nancy says that I was wrong. I am wrong. Please forgive me. Okay? See? Please. I know you did. (laughs) 
You did tell me that. You did tell me that. Nancy picks up from Zeta that uh, serving is pretty good. So she sweeps outside. She says, well, I know, I know you don't like your sister like that. Okay. Nancy, <laughs> Nancy does things for the Lord, so she sweeps outside. I'm going to get this thing right out of the wild, Nancy. <laughs> she, she sweeps outside. I won't mention Zeta's name. No more to you, okay? <laughs> and that's servanthood. I mean, she likes to do that. I mean, nobody tell them to do that. They just do it. They just do it. So I like to do things to serve others. And usually when I, when I uh, talk to people, I'll say, what can we do more to serve you? I never ask the question, what can I do more to lead you as to serve you? Because I want to be a servant. Okay? So that's why I get enjoyment out of coming at 5.15, if I get on t- here on time, uh, in, in the mornings, on Saturday mornings, the first Saturday morning of the month, to fix breakfast for the men. Uh, and cooking that night beforehand, because I know that it's serving. It's serving. Not that uh, I'm looking for any accolade, because I'm not, because they know, they know I do it anyway. Uh, the thing is that what are you willing to do if you're supposed to be a leader? I could easily get somebody to do it and refuse to do it. This is too, you know, great for me to do. This last night, I was tempted to do that. Uh, when we got home last night, whenever I said that, the, you know, the floor needs a little spot cleaning. And... Uh, uh, we had just gotten home, just finished eating dinner late, and I needed to get in the Word. I was tempted to say, why don't you do it and let the man of God study? <laughs> but I know better than that. <laughs> I know better than that. See? So I, but I'm going to tell you, my, I was tempted at that time to get an attitude. Now, I know that, I know that you all don't believe that. That I know y'all don't believe it. You, you think I'm so great and all these things. I'm trying to tell you that uh, I put on my pants just like you do. And that I'm telling you, uh, I, I want to get an attitude because, uh, you know, you get ticked off sometimes, don't you? You get it sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. And, and uh, but I, I, you know, I, you learn how to keep your mouth closed. You know what I'm saying? Learn how to keep your mouth closed because if you open it up in the wrong times, you're going to say something. You're going to have to say, please forgive me. I was wrong. <laughs> right? So I kept my mouth closed. And so this morning, uh, the Holy Spirit reminded me that I needed to do this. And so I'm still studying. I'm still trying to get this thing right. And I said, what I'm going to do, the first thing here is I'm going to do this floor. And I'm not going to do just a spot clean. I'm going to do all of the kitchen area over there to make sure. Uh, because I want to serve her. And, um, but I still didn't do it good because I had a, <laughs> I'm trying to help you now, because um, <laughs> I said, I'm going to leave the rugs. See, I have store rugs by the sink and, and over there by the door. I said, I'm going to leave the rugs up so I'm never coming to the kitchen. She's going to see it, and she goes, oh, that was so sweet, you know. <laughs> um, so I left the rugs. So that was not good. 
That was not good. Uh, and I put the rugs on back down after she left out. I put them on back down. I said, okay, God, uh, my attitude is still not the way it should be because uh, I'm looking for accolades and, 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 you know, encouragement and all that kind of stuff. I know that you're not like that. I know that, that you all are so holy that, you know, you all just do things with such a great attitude. I'm telling you that this is real stuff, okay? Let's turn over to uh, one place in humility. Let's, let's go there in Peter. Uh, let's go to First Peter chapter 5. And let's uh, end there. This is the fourth test now. We've been talking about the fourth test, which is the test of humility. It's the greatest test. So if it's the greatest test and it's the most reoccurring, we want to get it right, right? In verse 1 of chapter 5 says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as fellow elder, as a fellow elder, and the witness of the suffering of Christ, and to uh, partake of the glory, this will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight and not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not according to um, greedy gain, sorry gain, but with eagerness. Verse 3, not lording over those allotted to your charge, but proven to be examples to the flock. In your homes, men, you need to be examples to your flock. Because you have a flock, if you're married. You need to be an example to your mate. If you're not married, you need to be an example to anybody you're around, in your workplace or wherever you are, you need to be examples that others can look at your example and learn the lessons of Jesus Christ and say, I want to be like him, even though they might not be related to you. If you have children, you have a a precious flock there that God said, be an example. You're supposed to oversee them. You're supposed to, in other words, look at them, uh, check them out, make sure that everything's going okay. And you are supposed to make sure that your example is something they can imitate. Don't say, do as I say. You want them to do as you do. You should be the greatest servant in your household. And if you, if you have children, mothers, you need to be the greatest example to your children so they can follow your example. Serve your children. That'll teach them servanthood. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. And listen to this. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you. And it's talking about every single person now. Every one of you, clothe yourselves with humility. That word, uh, clothe yourself, is a word that is ekkumbia. It's spelled E-G-K-O-M-B-O with a thing over it. M-A, kumbia. That means that you are supposed to, if you're going to clothe yourself, I'm not going to strip, so don't even worry about it. I, I know 
I normally don't take out my coat because I don't get hot. I stay cold most time. But this is what uh, Ekumba Mayo is. It's an apron. It's an apron. And he's saying that clothe yourself by putting this, put on humility. Just like you would put on an apron because servants, they clothe themselves. They put on something. And, and you know anybody who's in the kitchen, usually they're going to put on what? If they, 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 so they won't get the clothes dirty, you know, uh, stuff on it. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. We're supposed to be the greatest servants towards one another in this church. We're supposed to be the greatest servants on our workplaces. We're supposed to be the greatest servants in our households. The greater position that God put you in, and he put the man as the head, okay? Uh, the husband and wife are supposed to be uh, over the children. The children are supposed to be subject to their parents, obey their parents, honor their parents. Well, the parents should be the greatest servants. They need to clothe themselves, put on humility. That's what they're supposed to be doing. So in this church, the one who and the ones who God placed in the highest positions should be the greatest servants. Do you hear me? And if you want to be a leader, realize that you sign up for servitude to Jesus Christ in his church because it's his church and it's his body. This is his house because he said my house will be called a house of prayer. This is his house. It's his people. And he says serve one another with humility. That's what he said. That's the greatest test we're all going to get. And I guarantee you, most people want to be, and I think we get, we, we sometimes get mixed up with it. Sometimes we say, well, I want to be like Mary. I want to be at the feet of Jesus. Well, that's great and dandy. Uh, if we keep it in context, uh, it's not if you take it out of context and say, well, uh, this is the way I'm going to be all the time. I'm teaching this word, and don't bother me with cleaning nothing up. Don't bother me with cooking nothing. Don't bother me with doing anything but what I do. And that's, I'm, I'm going to rightly divide this word. Now, I know what it says in the act. I know that we're supposed to choose out from among us deacons and things like that to serve uh, because we need to give ourselves to prayer, fasting, and the word of God. I know that. Uh, but it's not, I'm not going to neglect that. But I know that I need to be an example to the flock. So I know that the elders should be leading in servitude. I know that husband and wife need to be leading. So that's why in my household I try to lead my girls to know I, I try to serve. I don't care what they, they don't serve. If they don't want to serve me, that's fine. I'm going to serve them. I want to try to serve my wife. So I don't have to wash dishes. That's not one of my responsibilities in the household. But I try to bless her with doing it. I don't have to put the dishes up out of the dishwasher. But I do do that sometimes because I want to just serve her. Do you hear what I'm saying? I take my kids' car sometime to the places that, uh, because men try to take advantage of girls sometimes, and I, I try to serve them in that way. Any way I can, I try to serve them, serve them, serve, serve, serve. 
So when I do say something, I say, sweetheart, um, your mother wants you to do this. This is what you need to do. They know that whatever I tell them to do, I'm the leader of it. I'm the leader of, of servanthood. That's what I want in every single household. The head man is the head servant. Got on the apron. Okay, let's stand. Serving the purpose of God. What route? Father, we thank you. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father, we thank you that we want to take the straight and narrow route. We don't want to go off course. We want to stay on course. We don't take no excursions. We want to stay with the ship, Lord. Father, we want to fulfill your purpose you have for our lives. We don't want to go around the wilderness 40 years. We want to serve your purpose, Lord. So we know that we're already called to be doulosas. We're called to be slaves. So we want to be your servant. We want to say just what, like the Apostle Paul said, or the, uh, Peter and James, Jude, all the great men of God. We want to, when somebody hears our name, they want to say, a servant of the Most High God. Whether Samuel is the same thing. Samuel was a servant. He learned to use the word servant. You call the King David your servant. You told Nathan, go tell my servant David. I want to be a better servant. Help us to do that, Lord. If there's anyone here that you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, servanthood starts with serving Jesus Christ. We, want, we don't want to be a servant to man and not servant to our Lord Jesus Christ. It frees us from serving men. I don't care, we can be a slave, but when we become Born again, we are free from men and serving Christ. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today, just raise your hand, put it back down. We'd like to pray for you. Does anybody here want to give your life to Jesus Christ? Is anybody here that want to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ today? I want you to raise your hand, put it back down. I want to, just want to pray with you. A closing prayer. I include you in the closing prayer. Just raise your hand and put it back down. Is anyone here like that? Just raise your hand and put it back down. Anyone here today that this message is speaking to to say, I'm not the servant that I should be in my home, in my job, with my children, in the church. I really, I really want to be, I guess, comfortable in my gift that God has given me. And I'm not going to serve in no other gift. Because I just like teaching. I just like sound. I like worship team. I don't want to do this other thing. If that's you today and want prayer, just raise your hand and put it back down. Because I want to be 
able to be used by God in whatever he needs. Whatever he needs. I want to be the, the type what Samuel says. Oh, Samuel says, Lord, here I am. Your servant is listening. I want to go to the Lord and say, God, what do you need? What do you need me to do to serve you more? That's what I want to do. Because whatever he has need of, and I bless in that area, I know that I'm serving my Lord in Jesus Christ. I know what gifts he's given me, but I'm not bound to any gift. Taking out the trash is not, I don't have to be gifted to take out the trash. I just have to be willing to do it. I want to be more willing to do whatever you have need of. Father, you saw the hands. I'm asking you, Lord, to work in our hearts because it's a hard thing. Work in our hearts to be more of a servant. To be more willing to serve in areas that we just don't want to serve in. We just don't feel like serving. We might help every now and then, but it's not going to be something that we're going to do on any continual basis. Even though it's a need that you have in your body, I'm not going to do it because I want to be doing only what you have gifted me to do. Father, help us to get rid of that attitude, that hard attitude. We want to be so sweet, so pliable, that the Holy Spirit can use us. Because as we see in Scripture... Joseph learned a lot of different things in his servitude. He did things that I'm sure he was not gifted to do. But you are preparing him to be the master and ruler of all of Egypt under Pharaoh. And he had to learn and know a lot of different things. And we're going to have to do the same thing if you're going to elevate us. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name.